Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Coming to you live, Jack Dempsey's Bar and Grill, 36 West 33rd Street, around the corner from the Empire State Building. Sitting across from me today, joined by a legend. Sitting across from you today. A legend and, and an icon. And you're going to talk to me and ask me questions. Well, I got to watch those two eat the most beautiful wings I've ever seen. How the hell am I supposed to concentrate on anything? Look at those. And I actually oh. gave you that seat. So you can see the wall. I didn't want you to see all the pretty girls in the bar because then you're not going to pay attention yeah, I, to I me. I got a new girlfriend up there, Jen. She's beautiful. I saw that. You walked right in. You dropped your name and everything. Yeah, well, we got to introduce who I'm even talking to. No, I do not drop my name. What I do is I ask them if they like jokes and I give a girl a card. <laughs> I give a guy a card. Dirty jokes. I, I don't care about sex or women. I'll even give you guys a card. You just want to promote yourself. That's it. Yeah. I've been with Asian women, but never an Asian man. <laughs> mm. uh-huh. A legend. Hi, and an, Mike. Now, how do we get hooked up? I don't remember. Well, I got to introduce myself. Introduce who I'm talking to. Because the thing. But how do we wind up together? I don't remember. It's that. like an online dating. I emailed you. And then we emailed each other a few times. Then we started texting. Oh, you tweeted me. I tweeted you. Listen, this is full blown Tinder shit. This would sound very weird. Yeah, I tweeted you. You tweeted back. When somebody tweets me directly, yeah. I say. Email me. email me, and I give my email address, and if they take that next step, then I'll see what they want. And that way they get on my Jokeland email list, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, the problem is we went from emails to text messaging to sending pictures to sending each other gifts. Shit out. It's like online dating, and now we're meeting in person. Now I'm going to clear that up. I sent the guy my CDs <laughs> in a joke book. I didn't send him a vibrating dildo, for Christ. And you sent, me a shirt, you sent me a shirt, though. And you seem, like a, you seem like a nice character, and, uh, and you still do so far. Well, let's introduce the legend and the icon. Oh. In radio and comedy, your name resonates with people who changed radio history, Jackie the Joke Man Martling. That's uh, very flattering, but uh, it might be correct, so thank you for saying that. You look good, man. You really do. I, I feel great. Uh, I just came from John Fugelsang's podcast on, uh, called Tell Me Everything on Sirius 121, one of the funniest cable radio shows, and I was on with a guy named David Feldman, who's so funny, and I will send him to you. I'll send you lots of people. That's awesome. If this winds up being any good, if it sucks, I'm yeah, going to no. rip up your name. <laughs> so who the hell needs this? You won't retweet crap. this? You'll delete my number? I know how it goes. Nine flights at Dempsey's. You know, the guy won a few fights. How about an elevator? You know? <laughs> Jesus Christ. You look good. You're sober now? You look good. I've been sober a long time. I'll tell you, though, everybody says the same thing. And every time somebody says it, I get depressed all over again. And then I got to express myself and explain why. I know every joke there ever was. So when I was a little kid, I read this joke, and I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand it for decades. And now I'm 69 years old, and everybody says, you look good. And the joke that I read decades ago was, the three stages of man are youth, middle age, and you look good. (laughs) So every time someone says you look good, instead of saying thank you, I'm like, you son of a bitch. That's like saying, well, at least you're not dead, you know. But thank you, Mike. You look good. I'm glad you're, you're my online date, so you look yeah, good. And I feel good. I feel good. You, you just left sober it. 15 years. That's fucking awesome. And uh, I smoke pot here and there, but uh, I have I've taken the last month off. I guess just so the next time will be special. I don't know. Make, make it, when you hit 70, when you hit when you look really good, then you get smoke. Yeah, when you're really good. But uh, everybody's jumping up and down about my book, and I'm very excited. Yeah, and talk no, about your no book. slight to you, but I'm doing everything I can. But this seemed like it'd be really interesting. I hope it's fun. And it's. Uh, and my podcast is in pre- my podcast. My book is in presale. Mm-hmm. Jackie the Joke Man. One word: JackieTheJokeMan.com. And if you go to that, it opens right up on the Amazon, and it's at a discount. And it's called the Joke Man, 
bow to stern. Which is funny because I live on the water. It's a little bit nautical, you know, beginning to end. Bow play to stern, a little play. So, and uh, it's a, a lot about me and then a lot about the, the, you know, what happened on the show. And there's no real secrets about the show because everything we did, everybody knew. But it's from my point of view and hopefully it's a little funny and everybody will enjoy it. See, that's know? what made the show so special. It was, I love radio because it's intimate. Like, why do I know you and I know your ex-wife? Why do I know Nancy's your ex-wife or Allison or when I listen to Opie and Anthony? Why do I know people's wives' names? The intimacy made that show so special. I'll tell you, when I, I'll tell you when I knew we were getting really big. We had started on the E! Channel. And so now people were getting, they, they always knew, kind of knew what Howard looked like. But now they were seeing me and Fred and Robin, blah, blah, blah. And I did a, a charity show in New Orleans. And we're on Bourbon Street. And me and my wife were upstairs sitting at a wrought iron table. And we ordered some gumbo and we're sitting there. And the waiter just comes walking by and he looks down and he goes, Hi, Jackie. Hi, Nancy. <laughs> Not just hi, Jackie, but hi, Nancy. Like he'd known her since third grade. And meanwhile, you know, we're in New Orleans. I said, Wow, we're getting big. Not just me. He knew my wife, you know. And it is so I'd be late for the show sometimes and I'd be on the expressway and all around me honking, You stupid. You're a <laughs> You're a jerk. You're an asshole. You're late. Get to work. You know, on all sides of me. That makes New York a small town, man. You know, I'd walk across. <coughs> I parked on 59th Street, and I'd walk across the Madison Avenue. The garbage man, the cops. Junk man. What's up, junk man? <laughs> and it's funny because around the year, sometimes at quarter to six in the morning, it's dark. And sometimes quarter to six, it's, it's completely light. Mm -hmm. You know, but it was the same walk. And always the same guy. Hey, Martling, what's up, junk man? You jerk. Walk faster. You're late. You know. <laughs> Did you always want to be, cause you're, wait, you're doing radio now, so plug what you're doing now on Sirius, because you have a show now. No, no, I, I had a show for eight years, okay. it ended a couple of years ago, called Jackie's Joke Cunt, and <laughs> we did 400 shows in eight years, and it was a solid hour of dirty jokes every week, and people loved it, and it was just wonderful. It was on one of Howard's channels, mm -hmm. and you know, God bless him for giving me the show, and I still don't know why they ended it. But uh, I love doing it, I, love, I just came from Fugal Sang Show, and I love sitting in on radio. And I go around and promote my book and promote my shows. I go on BAB and 103, and I go on with Mark Simone and all these people to promote my shows. And I just, it just never gets old, you know, because I'm a fun radio guest. Did you always want to be a radio guy, though? Never. Really? No, I, I, didn't, I didn't set out to do anything. What I set out to do was get laid. In ninth grade, I said to this guy, who I'd known since kindergarten, who's still my best friend, I said, uh, you play guitar. And he says, yeah. And I said, teach me to play guitar. He says, well, I could teach you a couple chords. We could have a band. And that was it. We had a band through high school. And I had a band in college. And then summers of college. And then we got together. I mean, the same guy. And we played the whole 70s on Long Island. Getting drunk, getting laid, smoking pot. But getting nowhere. And we were so funny. <laughs> but we sucked. And it was like 1978. And I was like, if I ever want to eat, it ain't going to be doing music. So, of course, I tried something simple. And I'm not really a comic. I'm a joke teller. In all those years, for whatever reason, I've remembered every joke I've ever heard. And I always thought everybody did. And as I started to discover that nobody remembered the jokes, like, and nobody shit, could tell them that it was more special than I thought. And then I started telling jokes on stage, and then made an album, and then made another album, and then made another album. And then I heard about this guy coming to, to New York City, and I said, how are my albums? He called me up, and I went on to, I had no intention of ever doing radio. I mean, I always loved going on. Sure. You know, and, and I had a, I have a filthy dial joke I've had for 38 years, 516-922-WINE, and that used to be on the radio, and I was on with Rick Dees, and, uh, 
doing nine two two one. It's funny. I this this number is five one six nine two two nine four six three. And Rick Dees out of Los Angeles had a syndicated show. You know, it was a top forty countdown mm-hmm. that played on Saturdays or Sundays all over the country. And he used to say, "Hey." You want to hear, this is a, a little inside thing. This is Tom Selleck's home phone number. And he'd give people 516-922-9463. And it would explode. <laughs> and they'd hear all these dick jokes, you know, which was so great. And then uh, slowly but surely, uh, after I sat with Howard and Robin and Fred the first day, they said, well, you're fun. Why don't you come back next week? So I came back once a week for three years for free. And slowly but surely was giving them jokes and ideas and then he said, we're going to mornings. We want you two days a week. And then they wanted me five days a week because I was making him funny. I was sure, passing him notes. And in 1986, we went to mornings. And you watched. We went to Pluto. From 1986 to, 1986 to 2001, that 15 years, we went to Pluto. It was the wildest ride you could have. Ever. And I remember still now, and this is what I think you still know this. When I'm at work, I'm like, oh, and I work with a 200 people I'm interviewing Jackie Marlin how it like your name resonates with fucking New York radio it's, it's they insane. still know you know it, it, they play so many reruns too like I'm I'm still kind of current you know like if I'm walking along and I'm talking somebody will turn I know that voice or, you know, how you doing it's like, you know it's funny sometimes people say you Jackie the joke man and I'll say no he's older and fatter and they'll say <laughs> you're right and I, and I won't know what to do you know but I love it. I, it never got old. Everybody says, you know, a lot of people said you were a moron for quitting. I, I, oh, God. But I was fried. I knew I had to quit drinking. I had to get divorced. And I was in, I was golden handcuffs. I was making so much money. But I wasn't happy. I was so tired all the time. I got up at 4.30 See, for 15 you years. You, were, you weren't just, and I'm, we don't knock what anyone does, but Howard, Robin, Fred, they're on the radio. You were still doing your shows. You were, going, you were still traveling, doing your fucking comedy bits. I was, you know, I, well, the thing was, on weekends, they, you know, they offered me crazy money. Like, I've been doing this Jackie my whole Ma- life for Jackie no money. Jackie Martling from the Howard Stern show. Right. You're crushing and, it. And, you know, here I was working in dirt bomb gigs, and all of a sudden now I'm headlining the Chicago Theater and the State Theater in Denver. So I, we get done with a week's work, and then we're flying out there. And then we got the TV show, so we'd work all week and then work on the TV show. It was but it was it was wonderful. It's one of those, it's like going through college, you know. It was like, but at some point I just and I bailed, you know. And I was making a lot of money, and a lot of people told me I was crazy because I threw away the fame and the money. And but but it, it I kind of had to do it, but I didn't quit. I just gave, drew a line in the mm-hmm. sand, and they wouldn't meet it. And then I actually came back and said, I forget the line in the sand, but it was too late. But it, you know everything works out the way it's supposed to, you know. So I quit drinking. I got divorced. My wife's my good friend. I live alone on the beach and. It, it just couldn't be nicer. You know? I, I, I love that you, uh, I deal with addictions in my family, but I love the fact that you, you did everything we were supposed to do. You quit your job, got divorced, quit drinking. They say do everything at one time, right? You know, <laughs> you, they, they the say, yes, do not, one if year. you do any one of those, don't change anything else. If you quit drinking, don't change anything else. If you get divorced, don't change, because you need the, the foundation, the, the, the rate foundation around you. And I quit drinking, got divorced, <laughs> quit my job and moved into a home by myself you know but you know if it doesn't kill you it makes you stronger my ex-wife's two doors away and she's wonderful and i I, you know i was depressed a while and then one day i looked out and said you're on long island sound you moron look out there you jerk it's beautiful you know and then i got laid forget it forget now you're the fucking king of the world you're back forget it i'm back i'm back 
this is going to sound like a dumb fucking question. I don't want to ask generic questions. How, Eight inches. Yes. I'll, and the show's over because that's which what I is, want to know. Which is too wide for a lot of girls. And, look, and these two guys together, you know they're not even near eight inches, those two guys. Not to be, not to be an idiot, but you really do look alike. <laughs> they do. I thought he was him. I can't even tell the difference. You that's ate all the wings. You didn't offer me a bite. Uh... Fucked up. They're sitting so far away. How uncomfortable is that? It like, comes sit next to us. Yeah, from here, I can't even tell they're eating cat. <laughs> <laughs> How much fun was it every morning doing that? Like, fun. You, you know, about getting up. Getting up blows. That sucks. And being tired. But once, once I got there, got, you know, I, I didn't have any job description. You know, like, all I had was a Sharpie and a pile of paper. I didn't set up anything. We didn't practice. We didn't do anything unless we wrote a song parody yeah. or a bit. I'd show up at quarter to six or 10 seconds to six or five seconds after six and sit down and Howard start talking and I'd start drinking coffee. And if I had something to write, I'd write it. And, and every show, every show was just stellar. Now, when we were done, I would be exhausted. Some mornings after a show, I'd be so hungover <coughs> that by the end of the show, I'd look at the stack of notes I wrote and go, who did that? <laughs> you know, but it, it couldn't have been more fun. And I, I, when I quit, it had nothing to do with the show itself. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had as much fun the last day I was on the air with Howard and Robin and Fred as I did the first day. And the first day was spectacular. You know, driving into New York City and then going to WNBC with Carson and Letterman and everybody's picture on the wall. I'm coming from Governor's Comedy Shop in <laughs> Levittown, you know. It's like I died and went to heaven, you know. I always love, I think you said it on Opie's, uh, thank you, my good man. I think you said it on Opie's show with somebody, you said that, you love that your first show was you, Robin, Fred, and Howard, and your last show was... Cause, and now, what, what do you now think? one thing that makes me nuts yeah. is <clears throat> I always bragged when I got interviewed. I said, the longevity of this show is unbelievable. Marriages, bands, TV shows, nothing lasts like this. It was, it's been Howard and Robin and Fred and me the whole time, and then <clears throat> I'm the one who screwed it up. I, but I didn't, because all he had to do was... Know. You know the old story about you know Frank Sinatra saved Don Rickles' life. You know, he said to the guys, all right, you can stop beating them up now. You know what I mean? All he had to do was say, give him the money. And it was you know? over. But, uh, but it's okay, you know, and, and, it, and it was fine. But it, the fact that it, it just was that group, mm -hmm. and we were so cemented. It was, you know, it got to where you just had to turn your head and it'd be off, you know. Like, we'd be sitting there, and there'd be nothing going on, and Gary'd come in to talk to Howard, and then we'd come back on the air, and as Gary's walking out of the room, I'd say to Howard, look at that ass. <laughs> We were off for half an hour, you know, until he finally had to come in and fight with us. And, you know, what do you think made was it the intimacy? What do you think made the show the truth? And this is an exaggeration. It was the biggest. It's the biggest show in the history of radio. When you were it's, there I, I, in the history uh, in, of radio. In all fairness, what made that show is Howard's brilliance. Nobody can sit there. People say, how can he talk for four hours? And I would say, talk for four hours. The trick is getting them to shut the fuck up at 1030. <laughs> He would just go on, and the guy can just go on and on. And I would, when I started writing notes for him, we, we had something so special. Because I could write a note and put it in front of him, and it was so seamless that to this day, there's still people, show business people that don't know I was writing notes. Because I did just enough. I sat there and laughed mm -hmm. and got made fun of, which almost was enough to justify me being there. Yeah, you were the punch. You were and the nobody bag. had any, you know, I was punching bag, but some of those punches he's throwing up, I'm writing. I heard And people that. can't wrap their brain around that. They can't fathom the idea. You're writing the jokes to make fun of yourself, like... 
But okay. he, and I'd write an insult about Fred, and he'd make it about me. Or he'd, I'd give him something, and he would switch it around. Sometimes if I wrote a note, and it got up too late, because we're going. We are going. So if I get a note up there, and it was really funny, but we're past it, he would circle around to get back to the joke. He, the guy is, is absolutely amazing. He really is. And he deserves all his accolades. Do I wish he had to give me a little bit more money? Yes, because I earned it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I helped build that of thing. It was the four of you guys. You were but, the Beatles, and you said it, and people joked, but it was the truth. Listen. We really were the Beatles. And, but uh, that was the whole scene. It wasn't like, wow, how'd you get four great people like that? It was like, no. It was his genius and his choices. No, his choice of Robin and Fred and me, you know, it wasn't haphazard. See, I always respected you left the show and you never badmouthed the show. And listen, you could have, let me ask, did you ever get offers from other radio shows? Of course, right? You know what? He used to break my balls on the air and tell, well, he told, he told everybody how cheap I was. Yeah. I would have parties and give everybody lobster. And then he'd come in on Monday and tell everybody what a cheap fuck I was. <laughs> And it was just like Trump. That the whole world would believe him. Of course. And then, then if I didn't get my contract, I'd tell him I wasn't coming in Monday. And then Monday he'd go, where's Jackie, Rob? And he stood us up, which absolutely was not true. It's like if you're not going to come to work, you tell your boss. Obviously. Right? So, but if your boss goes, you know, where's Mike? Oh, that son of a bitch, you know. So, and he used to tell people how hard I was to work with and what a pain in the ass I was and... And people would be like, well, how could he work with him? But I, I don't know whether it sunk into people, because you'd think the day I was off that show that I would have got calls, because I'm a good side guy. If you hear me on the air with somebody, I laugh, and I'm funny, and I'm smart as shit. I just came from Fugal Sang. It was the greatest <laughs> hour in the world, but I've never gotten any offers See, at all. That, that boggles my mind. I'm a radio guy. I'm obsessed with but, radio. But so. maybe, you know, maybe they don't want to piss Howard off. Yeah, maybe maybe, that, that, maybe he said, you don't want to have to deal with this guy, you know. The only thing I ever did was ask for more money. That's it. That, I, I mean, that's, that's, as, that's as subversive as I got, mm-hmm. you know. Because, like, you left, and I'm wondering, cause I, like I said, I listened to you on Artie's show, on Opie, Opie and Anthony. When you were on Anthony, that when Those you, are fun, right? You just, one who I love, you don't come there and, you just, like, blend in. You're, like, you're just there, and that's why when you left Stern, I'm like, all right, he's going to go, what show's picking him up next? And I was, I was wondering why you never went to another show. Because, yeah, I never was, I never screamed for, I want to be the headliner, I want to be the main guy, I want to do this, I want to do it. You know, you just, that's the whole art of the whole thing is fitting in where you fit in, you know? Now, I have to ask you about back-in-the-day comedy. Like, you, when you started, a lot of comedians have, like, fucked up upbringings. You didn't seem like you had a normal upbringing. <coughs> no, but, my, my upbringing was plenty screwed up. My... <laughs> We were the Waltons for, I don't know, first until uh, I was five, till I was eight, till I was ten. Uh, and then my father got uh, a job, a political job, because my great uncle was a huge politician. Okay. He was Eisenhower's campaign manager. Oh, shit. And so my father had a, a politically related job, and he would go to long lunches, and he's, he'd always drank, but he drank more and more. And so the house, kind, you know, the, the whole family kind of disintegrated. But, you know, everybody has their own story. My story is so simple. And enough people ask you this that you have to go back in time and try and come up with an answer. People don't want to hear you say, you know, did you have a screw-up family? I don't know. Nobody wants to hear, I don't know. What happened was my grandfather built a house in East Norwich in Long Island and lived there with my father and his four or five siblings, depending on, you know, who was alive when. And when my father came back for the war, everybody moved out, and my father 
and my uncle Len bought out the other brothers and sisters. Okay. So my father and mother lived downstairs. My father's brother married my mother's sister. So they're my, my cousins by them. I call them my double cousins. My double cousin, <laughs> Lenny, Rusty, and Abby. So it's my mother and my father downstairs. And Len and Janet, his brother and her sister upstairs. And I was the first kid. So for two years, not two, I got four doting parents. These guys are home from the war. They got, there's this kid. I must have been shot. They mu- every time I took a shit, they must have taken pictures. <laughs> And then two years later, two years later, my brother's born, my aunt has a kid, my father's drinking more, so I went from four parents to no parents. So for 70 years, I've been, where the fuck did everybody go? (laughs) And that's the best I can explain it, you know, and things got a little crazy, but I was always fun. I'll tell you, though, my mother, my father, both my brothers and my sister, (laughs) all way funnier than me, way smarter, way faster, way funnier. But I'm like the little pig that built the brick, the brick house. You know, I worked harder, and uh, and I loved it, and I really went to work at it, and uh, but I not on purpose. I just remembered every every joke. I just remembered the jokes. Well, now, when you started coming up in comedy, you're you're old. You're old as fuck. You look good. You're in the look good stage. Who'd you else? I know you came up with Rodney Dangerfield. And no, what come, happened was okay. and Eddie Murphy. Didn't you come I, up with those? Two? I love. Rodney, because he was on. He was used to be on in the seventies. We were musicians, but everybody loved Rodney. It was so great, and uh, I, I was just piddling and and thinking about comedy, and I just I moved into my grandmother's house with my girlfriend, and there was another guy who I had met, and he came in and he told me a lie. He said, uh, I, I went on at Dangerfields tonight, and I did kill, I killed, I did great. Rodney said, I'm going to use you on TV. You're so good. And I'm like, oh, I'm so jealous. So the next day, I typed out six pages of jokes for, for Rodney. Thinking, wow, I got an in with Rodney Dangerfield. Sure. And then my buddy comes over, and I said, hey, Richie, give these jokes to your pal Rodney. And he goes, oh, man. He's like. He says, he wasn't there. He says, I, I didn't even get on stage. I'm like, well, you motherfucker. He said, but I was there. This is a true story, Mike. He took out a matchbook. And he had a matchbook that said Dangerfields. <laughs> and just like with Howard, I wrote Rodney Dangerfield and mailed it. And two days later, phone rings. Hello? Hello. Who is this? It's Rodney. Rodney who? Ha, I knew you were fucking funny. I could tell you were fucking funny. <laughs> and he bought four jokes and... That was that, and I was off to the races. So I sold Rodney jokes before I was ever really a comedian. I so you and Rodney were close? No, not really. No, okay, he okay. bought some jokes. I went away with him for two weeks. So we're asshole buddies for two weeks, but nobody gets really close. It's, it's, it's hard. Comedy's weird. And he was huge. And um, in the early days, in like 19, late 78, 79, there were no comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. I was taking my guitar amplifier and speakers and a microphone and after my band broke up, I was playing guitar and sitting in a stool and playing songs and telling jokes. And I met the comedians, and they would come. I was doing shows in East Meadow at Neptune Pub and Eddie Murphy and Bob Nelson and Rob Bartlett. Just because there was no place else to get stage time. They'd go on stage at my little guitar gig. And then we're doing better and better, and then we started a show in Huntington at a place called Cinnamon. And I recorded my first album at a restaurant bar called Cinnamon on cassette and borrowed 100 bucks from 15 people and made a record. 
Everybody thought I was crazy. I was the first comedian that did anything like that. I'm, I'm selling albums at the door, and the mm -hmm. comedians are goofing on me. And all of a sudden, somebody goes, you know what? We made 30 bucks a piece tonight, and Martling made an extra fucking 50 because he sold 10 <laughs> albums. Maybe he's not the moron we think he is. And then I did a few more records, and then I mailed them to Howard. So it was all... It was all so haphazard. If you connect the dots backwards, you it, really looks, it really looks like I knew what I was doing. Yeah, I was say, but I had no idea what I was doing. You're mailing shit to Dangerfield. You're fucking doing it. Like, it seems like you, you're fucking calculated in your Well, you know, I madness. sent that to him. He could have never read it. He could have never called. Howard Stern, he might have got thousands of things in him. What if he, what if he didn't open it? You know, it's all haphazard. But you know what? It, it, I, <laughs> people say, what would you have done if you didn't run into Howard Stern, right? And I say, do you know the story of Hillary Clinton? People say to Hillary Clinton, yeah, you're doing so well, but you're married to the President of the United States. What if you're married to a gas station attendant? You know what she said? Uh. Then he'd be President of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, I'm lucky I ran into him, but truth he's be told, lucky. he's lucky he ran into me. It was too. a perfect storm. And everyone, a perfect storm. And you know what? No matter what, the way radio is now, there'll never be another show. It, 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 there can't be. It was a show of intimacy. That the intimacy is what the. And fuck he was so ballsy, and it was so funny. And he always said to me, "Don't edit, just whatever you think." Just you, he says, "I'll edit. You just give me whatever you got." You I remember me? you said the New Orleans thing was like you knew, but was there a moment you like, "This shit's different. This is this might change radio." Or did you never think that, or you were just uh, along I didn't for the really ride? Know enough about radio. Um, I love <clears> that you weren't a radio guy and you became like when, the radio. When guy. we first got fined by the FCC. And we all got copies of the FCC printout. <laughs> and I saw the stuff I had written. And then Stern said, and then in quotes, I see, you know, uh, and then Lamb Chop, there's something about Lamb Chop giving, uh, Sherry Davis giving Lamb Chop a hand job or something. <laughs> I said, wow, well, if, if the FCC's, you know, this, you know, there were all kinds of milestones. I used to get interviewed all the time, especially because, you know, Howard and Robin, you know, weren't that accessible. Mm -hmm. And I'd always do an interview. And people would say, 1988, 1990, 1992. You guys are so great, but how long can it last? Then two years later, why wow, this is show is so great? How long can it last? And the truth is, Howard kept reinventing himself. We syndicated all over the country. You know, we did the radio show, the pay-per-views, the New Year's Eve special, the, the books, the and e. The, 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 the e channel, private parts, private parts. It just and then the CBS show. And it just grew and grew, and it was so fucking fun. So much work, but so much fun. When you left, did you think it was, uh, was it a double-edged sword for you? And you got to be honest, because it was it like, I kind of want the show not to be as good, because I'm leaving, but I don't want the show to fail, because it's my I, fault. It, it, it really was, I didn't know. You know, I didn't, it was one, I never felt like, you, you better give me money, because if you don't give me money... The show is going to fall apart. You know, that was not the deal. To, the, Howard could do the show in a vacuum by himself. And I know that, and he knows that. But it's also a question, you know, like if the Yankees lose their, their prize, you know, reliever, the Yankees are still going to be the Yankees, and they're probably going to do just as well. But, you know, everything helps. And some things, are, you know, obviously it's a lot bigger deal to lose Mickey Mantle than it is to lose Hector Lopez, you know. <laughs> Now all every Spanish guy out there is going to say what a piece of yeah, shit yeah, you fuck are. Fuck you, Mickey. Uh, Hector Lopez was. But, but um, you know, I, I, and I never listened to the show. And for the first couple of months, I didn't even read my emails. I deleted all the emails, and then after that, I started reading them. And I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And you know, there's occasional you piece of shit, you fucked up everything, blah blah. But so many of them are like, you know, 
why wouldn't you come back? Why wouldn't you come back? And I couldn't write back. I tried. You know, yeah, after yeah. two months, I said, you know, hey, the hell with this. I'll take the offer that was on the table. And they never even called me back. So they were pissed. But and you know what's great? You know, listen, time has passed. You're, you're, I don't, I don't, and you're happy now. You're sober. You're doing this. Were you bitter at the time? Like, what the fuck, man? Like, hit me up. No. Like, no? Because uh, you never seemed like what, you were. Like, every, what I was bitter about, yeah. and I don't know if bitter is the word, but I thought it was pretty low level. I said, I told Howard, listen, I'm, I'll take the offer if it's still on the table. And he said, good, I'll let you know. And my lawyer called Tom and said, if Jackie said, he'll take the offer if it's still good. And Tom said, I'll let you know. But it was two months later. They could have called back and said, no, we've decided no. But they just left this Radio stuff. Silence. And they still haven't returned the call. You know, it's 17 years later. So, you know, but that bitter no, you know. Uh, let's talk about your book now because I actually have to do a big following because of my work. Everyone listens just to they want me to fuck up so they can make fun of me at work. Well, listen, you guys. So far, he's doing good, except I'm getting a headache reading his tattoos. <laughs> I just got this one in uh, Singapore a few days ago. <laughs> oh, four score and seven years ago. You know it. So tell me about your book. I'm actually really curious. So about, I'm book, a huge reader. Huge. The book is uh, – I've been writing it forever. And what it is is the first 30 or 40% is about me uh, – my beginnings and a little bit about, but there's so much that's not in there. You know, there's none of my bands or college or comedy. I don't, it's 300 pages and I don't know what's in there because there's nothing in there. But there's a bunch about me and then a bunch about the show. And it's 300 pages and everybody that's read it says it's very easy to read. It's funny. It's interesting. If you're a Stern fan, you'll love it. But when I wrote this, I have enough for a second book. I have enough about me. And about the show, done, in my computer, which means if people like this book, three months later, I can do the exact same book, only different. You know what I'm saying? All about me and then all about sure. the Stern Show. And it's, if you like the book, you'll love, it's just like to be continued. If, if you like the one, you'll like the other. You know, it's like hearing a band, if you like their record, you probably like the next record, you know. And a lot of the stuff is fun. It really is fun. It's not, nothing harmful. It's, it's no... It's no tell-all, because everybody knows everything. You know, Howard wasn't fucking somebody in, in behind the shithouse door. You know what I mean? It was just, we just carried on. But it's from my point of view, and, and, and it was a fun romp. And the thing is, if you were a listener of the show, mm -hmm. you, it's going to be like, where were you when JFK got shot? Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this, you go, God, I remember when that happened. You know, I was in ninth grade, or I, was just, I just got fired from my first job, or oh, I just, just mm -hmm. met my wife, and I remember on the way, you know. So it's like a trip through time, and you know stuff about growing. I, it, it, I think everybody's going to really love it. I'm hoping, you know. And now with uh, with Sirius, see, what I love about Sirius XM <clears throat> is that the, the replays and you listen to old shit. Because back in the day, so I was the I listened to Stern back in the day, of course. Who didn't? And then I was a big Opie and Anthony fan, huge. And I remember I used to go to college. I would tape Opie and Anthony on cassette, come home and listen to it. I used to do it with Stern, so I used to come home and listen for like four hours. I listened to Howard Stern in the morning on K Rock. Opie and Anthony on 1027. A lot of people did that. Of course. They were the two hugest names. And when I would do that, I would listen to it. And now with YouTube, I would, I'll would i type in Jackie Martling fight. with, And you can watch all shit. But now the replays. Do you get reimbursed with the replay? Come on. Really? You don't get reimbursed? Nobody believes that. Not a penny. So the replays, it's serious plays of you. Because you're on. Never a penny ever. Wow. That, Michael, that... Wow, that's... I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, no, that, that shocks the piss out of people. Because when we in those days, it was like, you know, either your brains or your signature is going to be on that contract. Yeah. Remember the Godfather, yeah. you know? Um, so, you know, 
because you, you figure, well, they, they're going to take it and make best of and maybe play some of it in the future. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thought in terms of hours and hours of programming. I mean, I, you know, people will bitch and moan about me for saying this, but truth be told, it wouldn't hurt for him to write me and Billy a nice fat yeah, check and yeah, say no. thank you. You know, it would be such a nice gesture. You know, I, I don't need the money, but it would be so nice, you know, so that when I, when you ask me a question, I say, you know what, they never had to give me anything. But, the, you know, to tell you the truth, they took care of us. It was know? funny because I have Sirius XM, and I listen to it, and it's funny. I'll they be doing play, something. They replay a lot of stuff. A lot of old shit, especially, like, during the holidays, they'll play. And you listen to shit from the 90s, like, oh, shit. And I was wondering, like, do you guys get residual checks? One thing I don't know. Is all that stuff on YouTube? I don't know if anybody. I wonder if the Howard Stern show gets anything for the stuff. I, I don't think they. And you know what's crazy? They have the fucking videos. So you, this morning, this this morning, I wake up and I was like, I was. I'm telling you, I was so fucking stoked. I've had so many athletes, celebrities, authors, comedians here to sit here with you. It's like it's surreal. Like that's I, so. No, I've had people say I'm, I've never taken a picture with anybody before, and they take a picture, which I'm, is I'm, so I'm, flattering. I'm gonna tell you something. This is this is the truth. My uh, my uncle. I was maybe like 13 or 14 years old. The two Asian dudes are checking you out hard. They're man-fucking you. It's hard. I hope they're not fags. So, well, maybe the guy on the right. He's the guy who lets us here. Um, so this, I was like, I remember I was like 13 or 14, and my uncle, he was like this big, heavy-set guy. He was great, and he was like the fun uncle. And I remember driving early in the morning one day, and he's like, uh, bad. And I remember him like. He had Howard Stern on, and I and you guys were talking dirty. I think Howard said dick or something. This I'm like, is your introduction to. Yes, yeah, so I'm like, I was like, I remember I was, I was young, and my uncle, Uncle Tom, he was this big, and I'm like, oh, that was that was pretty cool. I think you guys, Andrew Dice Clay might have been on. I forgot what the whole thing was, and then I remember like writing down Jackie Martling, Howard Stern, and then to sit here, and I remember watching the E Show, and now to sit here, it's like it's surreal to see like. Like, you changed radio when I sit here, it's fucking... See how it's happening. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. It really is. And when you watch those YouTube shits, and I'm like, wow, it's crazy. You guys don't get paid. Like, they, they have the whole shows up there, the videos of the whole... And you guys get none of that. It's nuts. You know, it's funny. Artie told me, Artie Lang, his father was a huge fan. And his father said, hey, you got to hear this radio show, the Howard Stern Show. And his father said, I especially like this guy, Jackie Martling. So that was Artie's introduction to the show was from his father, and his father... Loved me, which is so nice, you know. So me and Artie have a very nice bond that way. You know, it's really cool. It's, it's weird when you hear, like, because, you know, there'll never be another show like it. No matter what anyone ever says, I love Opie. I was the biggest Opie and Anthony fan. But truth, Howard Stern paid the road for anything. You know, I'm so old. Okay, okay. <laughs> that people tell me, I had a guy tell me that my laugh is one of his first memories because he was like a little kid, like in the back seat or in a, in, a, in a chair or whatever. And, you know, they have no idea what's going on. But they would hear my, hear my cackle. And he said it was so distinct that as a kid, he remembered that sound, which is so, so weird, you know. And he'd imitate it. And the, the, so, that, that's very dude, flattering. I'm going to tell you something right now. The sexy-looking, bold Asian dude in the middle. We work together. We're in the locker room today. I'm checking him out. There's no such thing as a sexy-looking, bold Asian. That guy's sexy as hell. But listen, and he'll attest to this. Before I was leaving, there's a lot of older guys where I work. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to interview Jackie Martling. Kenny, how many people were like, oh, my God. Everyone, like, they do the old, huh. And they reminisce, and they start hitting up, like, old shit. And then they're doing, oh, they're doing the voice. You know what we'll it's do? Fucking, it's, it's mind-boggling. We'll do this again. But we'll do it, and you can invite a bunch of the guys, well, and we could sit here, and they can ask questions. Well, I'm, I'm That'll tell be you, really fun. I'm going to tell you what happened real quick. We'll, we'll hang out for another five minutes. I don't want to take too much of your time, but it's crazy. Where the fuck am I going to Yeah, you're go? going nowhere. You're going to go back to Long Island Sound. You got the good life. 
but it's funny. I'm not going swimming today. Everyone wanted to come. I told you, like, bro, you got to give me more notice because, you know, everybody's married with kids. Their lives are horrible. Everyone can ask them. I'll tell people. I'm, I'm interviewing Michael K. Williams, this athlete. Like, oh, okay. Jackie Mike, bro, you got to fucking tell me. I want, dude, so many. All right, you guys. If you're listening to this, which they, uh, believe I know all these assholes listen to me. Hopefully me. some of you have crayons. <laughs> Here's my email address. Jokeland at AOL.com. J-O-K-E-L-A-N-D at AOL.com. If you email me, you get on my list and you get filthy jokes every month. And I promise you, you will love them. It'll also tell you where I'm working. You want to come out to the show. I promise it'll be the hardest you ever laughed. And every day I tweet a joke at 4.20 p.m. International Marijuana Time. And my Twitter address is at Jackie Martling. And even you guys can spell that. At Not Jackie sure Martling. And this is fun. And, uh, and well, let's connect. You book. You know, tell me your book. So to, tell, you to tell the truth, who doesn't like to talk about themselves, you know? Um, and my book is Jackie the Joke Man. That's not the name of it, but that's the name of the, of the URL on the internet. JackieTheJokeMan.com. You put that in, pow, it pops up. And it's the Joke Man, bow to stern. And it's it. 300, the words. 300 beautiful pages. And I, if you don't love it, you email me and I'll pretend I didn't get it. <laughs> You'll fucking delete it. Fuck All right. Last three questions. One question about Fred Norris, because... He's the most reserved person ever on the show, yet you speak so hot. What made him so special? What makes him so different? Because he doesn't talk as much. He is. I've met, I've met everybody. I've met a lot of funny people. Um, I was just with David Feldman, one of the funniest guys in the world. John Fugelsang, Frank Conniff. Those are three very, very funny guys. And I would kill to have Fred sitting in that room and not be mute the way he is. He... He built the Stern Show. I mean, the, the sound effects and the background noises, and he did the impressions. I mean, back in the early I mean, you cannot overstate what he contributed to that show. It's unbelievable. And of all the guys, he is as smarter, faster, and funnier maybe than anybody I've ever met. Like, if I start saying something, before I'm done talking, he'll have something to say that's so funny and so witty and so crazy. And I, I can't overstate it. He, he's, and he's always been there. And he was so nice to me from the day I walked in there. And he just has always remained a good friend. It's, people say, the way you talk about him, it's like he's got a gun to your head. But, it, you know, <clears throat> he's just a real good guy, a real straight shooter. He would take a bullet for Howard. He's just he's loyal he's as as fuck, right? a loyal soldier and a good guy and a good friend. And, you know, and I... I I just have always sang his praises because I don't think he gets enough praises, you know. Um, like, he was so great in the movie, but, you know, his yeah. part, I think, got, you know, cut down and cut down. He, you know, he's just, he's just great. And, but he's never, he's never gone on a show to, like, a no podcast or an interview with, and with, he could let fly. And I can't really tell him to do that because I'm the troublemaker. Look, at, look at Jackie, right? Telling people to go do more. Keep you know. Jackie away from everybody. Keep. You know, it was funny. When we first got in, asked to do the E-Show, <clears throat> they're going to give us $10,000 each. Me and Gary and John. Not a week. $10,000 a year to be on television five nights a week. <clears throat> and we walked out, and I said to Gary and John, I said, not for nothing, but that, <laughs> that doesn't seem really fair. Next thing I hear, how it says, oh, Gary's saying Jackie's trying to break up the group. Jackie's trying to get John and him to, to break away from... 
All I said was, I don't think, you know, when I finally signed with the E Channel, I was getting 25 grand, and I'm working, I'm headlining the Riviera. The guy who booked me was Steve Sharippa, who's from The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was the booker. And I'm having, they gave me a huge suite, the Frank Sinatra suite, where in Casino, where, where De Niro and Sharon Stone got, mar- got married. That was a suite. That was my suite when I worked there. And all these comics are there, and they go, wow, now you're on TV, too. I said, yeah. And they said, what do you get for that? I said, fucking 25 grand. And they said, they said, Martling, are you making so much money that $25,000 a week is not a big deal to you? I said, a week? That's $25,000 a year. And they didn't believe me. They didn't believe me. Fucking shell-shocked that that's all you're making. Wow. I mean, it was just to be in a... But it wound, they said it was only going to be five days. It wound up being six days a week. Two half hours a night. You know, and, and this is why I get the rap that I'm a complainer I, and a troublemaker. But the truth be told, that is... That's not a lot of money. You know, no. by the end, I think I was getting 50 grand and a year. And for the money they were yeah. making. And remember, that, would, that changed the show. Because people watch that show like, oh, shit. They have naked girls. Let me listen they, to that they show. Were, they yes. were printing money. That, and that's why I asked for more at the end. You know, they were printing money. And nobody else... That's why I'm the troublemaker. Because yeah, yeah. nobody else would raise their hand and ask for more. So I was, whether it was fair or not, I was the only one that was saying, could we have why a little was more? Why was though? Was it people like, afraid of Howard? Everybody, or Everybody's afraid for their job. It's, number one, I'm a comic. Yeah. So you had and, something to fall back on, and, technically. And, but it's so funny, because I would always say I was a hippie, and I didn't care about money. And they're like, well, if you're a hippie, why are you trying to get more money? It was, it, it's, nobody ever believes a word I say, but it was not about money as much as it was about fairness. You know? I love you know, they want We're making money. boatloads and boatloads printing and boatloads, money. and here's yours. And like, well, how about a little bit more? You know, shut up and sit in the corner. And, you know, I'm not good at that. And I was the guy that opened his mouth to the bully and got punched in the stomach <laughs> when I'm a little kid. You know, I'm like, well, I guess I proved something to somebody, but all I know is my stomach is killing me, you know? Two more questions. What is? I'm six- not going anywhere. I'm having. Oh, I'm hanging out. Sixteen. Well, you stare at those wings, fucking drooling over there, Jackie. I, I don't want to. I wouldn't eat that shit. What does sixty-nine-year-old Jackie Martling say to twenty-three-year-old Jackie Martling? What about him? What does sixty-nine-year-old Jackie Martling say to twenty-three-year-old Jackie Martling? Get ready for a ride of your life. Hell of a ride, wasn't it? I would. I would do it all again. I wouldn't change anything. You know, so many people hated high school. I loved high school. You know, I didn't even smoke pot till I was a sophomore in college. And that sounds weird, but in those days, it wasn't how old were you when you smoked pot. It's where were you in 1967? You know what I mean? I was a sophomore in college. In high school, a few people were dabbling with pot, and I, I didn't, I wasn't, my younger brother was smoking pot, and I wasn't interested. I was on the soccer team, I was on the track team, I was on the gymnastic team, I was playing in a band, I was working as a head busboy at a fantastic club that was so much, it was more fun than playing in the band. I couldn't have, there was, I couldn't have been having more fun. I'm drinking beer and... And trying to get laid. That's, uh, that's every guy, that's all anyone uh, ever Lots of pretty about. girls, lots of girls. Not, girls weren't falling, you know, I'm working my ass off and getting my heart broken, you know, just, in, you know, working hard to get what you want. And it, it was perfect. And then I went away to college and had the greatest, greatest. I was in East Lansing, Michigan for seven years. Michigan State? Yeah, Michigan really? State. Gradu- Spartan? Graduated as a mechanical engineer in 1971 and stayed around an extra couple of years because I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to, you know, little did I know I was never going to grow up, you know. 
And you don't want to become a fucking big boy. That's horrible. Yeah, and then don't finally, fail, man. It's a trap. finally That's what they left East Lansing and went to Denver for five months and worked construction. You know, working uh, for concrete. That's all I needed was five months. I'm never doing this again. Never and and came home and started and playing guitar and never did any kind of job except rock and roll. Never worked a day in your life after that. You know, that, like George Burns, they said, you know, you know, tell me about your life. He said, well, I retired in 1950. I retired when I was 15 years old and went into show business. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, it, it couldn't be harder. Couldn't be more backbreaking and strenuous and, and crazy. And hours. But if you love it, you oh. love I tell people. Hell of a ride. A couple it? months ago, I'm at the Orleans Arena at the Orleans Hotel in Vegas. 2,500 people, eight comedians. I'm on last, so that's tough. And I go up, and you could, you could hear a pin drop. I destroy the crowd, made a lot of money. Three days later, I'm in some armpit in New Jersey working <laughs> for 80 people. That's my fucking life, and I enjoyed them and both. you love it, right? You know, I mean, you know, I'm driving to the middle of nowhere. You know, I'm, go I'm doing the Parks Casino April 12th. I don't know when this is going to air. Tomorrow, but put, I'm going to put it up tomorrow morning, so well, it'll be up. It's a long ride. It's Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. And but I love it, and I kill, and I work with a, a, a sports guy, Joe Dinkins, who's uh, Joe Conklin, okay. who's a big sports guy in Philadelphia, and we just destroy the place. And I'm working in Lindenhurst on Long Island on, on Saturday, April 15th, and it's a studio theater. It's, it's a little upstairs theater, like 250 people. And you and love doing it. pack them in, and it's Long Island, and they just kill them. Your name they, still draws it. If, people, if you yeah. guys are out there and you want to see a good show, come... And Studio Theater, April fifteenth. You know, everybody, everybody asks me that, and I don't know whether I really, really love it. You guys can come over here, by the way, and get closer. I don't know if I really love it or if I got myself hypnotized. Like I, I tell, I've been telling the same jokes forever and ever. I mean, I know a million. I got six CDs out. They're all eighty minutes long. There's not a repeated joke. There's, you yeah. know, four hundred and eighty minutes. Like it's like seven and a half hours of solid. <laughs> different dirty jokes and I go up there and tell jokes for 60 or 70 minutes and I just love it I laugh just as hard the crowd enjoys it Jackie, I mean, that's what always made you different and that's why I've always loved it. you would you were different you didn't come up there you said a joke you laughed at your own jokes you're telling a joke if you want to be a professional comedian there's two things you don't do you don't tell old jokes and you don't laugh at your own jokes and that's the only thing I do is those two things so it defies you know, people say, when you meet? I was just talking to David. He said, when you meet Gilbert Gottfried? And I said, I met Gilbert at the end of the 70s. He was a you know, big star, you know, in the comedy circuit. And he's coming around, and, and he's huge. And we weren't really close because I wasn't very hip. I was a Long Island, you know, hayseed. Mm -hmm. And you know, everybody's so hip in New York. But now it's coming around to, you know, Gilbert's telling dick jokes in his act because that's what's fucking funny. That's I don't make I people think. I don't make them smarter. I don't tell them about the world. All I do is make them laugh their balls off for an hour. If you want to come see me and laugh your balls off, come. Your tweets actually, I follow you on, your tweets are actually funny. Like, I read it, I'll screenshot, I'm like, how fucking funny is this boom, 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 and 140 characters, you're making fucking people laugh. It's so fun trying to make the, what he's talking about is my pod, uh, my tweet, at Jackie Martling, every day at 420, and I squeeze those jokes into 140 characters, and it's such a pisser. You know, it's fuck, like, and it's not the fake LOL. You're fucking laughing. I'm not even gonna try to tell it. If you, if I can remember the joke about the husband leaving, it goes. You want me to leave or you want me to stay? You, you know what I'm talking about? Or no, you, you, no, you, no. You, you, you know, 
The wife says, get the fuck out. And then on the way out, she says, I hope you die a slow, painful death. He says, so now you want me to stay? <laughs> that's what I, like, I saw, that I is the funniest single joke. Dude, that's you know? the greatest line. Like, And you nail it in 140 characters. It gets a million retweets. You have a great, you have 60,000. It's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> I tell you, I, I could sell 30 books, but I could sell a million books. You, there's no way to know because in, in 40 years... I've touched so many people. But it's a question of somebody saying, oh, Jackie's got a book? Or somebody saying, oh, Jackie's got a book, I'm going to get it. You know, like, so, and that's such an unknown. It's kind of fun that it's that unknown. It's like a gamble. Like, here, yeah, we, you like, want to gamble, here the fuck we go. It's rolling the dice, man. You, are you friends with anyone still on the Stern Show? Not friends. You guys weren't friends. Me, were, me and Fred uh, communicate a little here and there. We went to lunch a while ago. I went to lunch with Robin about three or four months ago. And uh, that was fun. And Howard and me, you know, send each other a happy birthday email. But I don't see him, you know. And, and once in a while I ask Gary something or he asks me something on email. But I don't, I don't really see anybody. And me and John are still kind of pals. Okay. But he's never around. He's out in Los Angeles. You did the he, good show with him and Anthony Cumia. You, John, and Cumia. Oh, that was a pisser. Dude, you guys, were, you killed it. That, that was, was great fun. Well, they were, it was funny because they were drunk, you know, and it, I wasn't oh, they drinking. Were they you were, heard them. They saw the show of fun at the end. Like, they were slurring. Yeah, I was great. like, enough of this shit. Yeah, yeah, gonna, I'm still very, very close friends with Billy West. Okay. Who's beyond ta- he was beyond talented. He's so right? great. He's so great. And he's still a very, very good friend. And um, and I, I guess that's it. You know, so, and, and all the guys from the E-Crew. And I, I had lunch today with Steve Grillo. You know who that yeah, is? I remember, oh, my God. Yeah, he's a great character. So I, I ask this question to everyone on the show. A hundred guests, all different celebrities, athletes, authors, people I find interesting, Jackie Martin. And uh, right now, who's the cool, we're at a bar. Who's the coolest person on your phone? If you wanted to impress this whole bar, if you had to take your phone out and text somebody, who would text you back? Who's the coolest person? That would actually, because I have Pete Rose in my phone. I have these other people. They might not text me back. Who's the coolest cat in your phone that would text you back? Willie Nelson would legit text you back, but I don't. But I don't. He might text me back, or he might text me back in a month. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, well, he actually he he emails. Like we send each other jokes email. You know, I'll send him jokes, and he'll never say idea. anything. And finally, I say, should I stop? He'll say, hey, fuck no, don't stop. You know. <laughs> and I love him, but um, I don't know who else. You know. Well, Willie Nelson's a good answer. I always like to hear people's answers. The coolest coolest person is. Yeah, but who? Uh, who I think is cool. Who do you yeah, think no, is no, cool? People say, you know, oh, my wife. My, no one cares about the wife of the kid. Willie Nelson, that's a fucking good answer. I'm impressed with that yeah, one. Yeah, but, yeah, I, you know, the, but that, I'm probably exaggerating, you know. But I, you know, what, who do I think is cool? You know, that's, that's a great question. I would never think of that. One question about Stern, because I'm not, I'm not trying to dig dirt. Do you think, and if this is, like, controversial, I don't want it to be. I think the show was so based on you, Robin, Fred, and Howard being like anti everybody. Like, hey, listen, we're just gonna kick it in the radio. We're four guys, four friends. Right. Robin was there, three guys and a girl. Basically, you guys were the four people sitting in a downstairs basement drinking natty ice, just making fun of each other, making fun of the popular kids, making fun of the celebrities. Like, who wants to be a prom? Do you think Howard? Like, became that eventually? Like, with all the money you think he did become? I don't listen to the show. All okay. I know is what I hear. But, yeah, <clears throat> you know, we become what we mock. You yeah. know, every, anybody's allowed to change. Every cockroach can become a butterfly. You That's know, it's funny. Like, he, 
He can do whatever he wants. He's not the first guy that ever divorced his wife. He's not the first guy that ever got a trophy wife. He's not the first guy that made a gazillion dollars. You know, and, you know, if he's making, you know, $50 million and now he's making $500 million, what are you going to do, you know, criticize him, yeah. you know? Is it painful to the old people? You know, I'm sure there's people that hate to see Mickey Mantle retire and who's the new cocksucker. Yeah, yeah. But meanwhile, Mickey's <laughs> old and his knees are shot. We need a new center fielder. So he has the right to do what he wants. And so many so many people ask me the same thing. You know, what happened to Howard? You know, why did Howard sell up? What the fuck are you asking me for? I had nothing to do with it. You know, it's not like I'm sitting there saying, why don't you change, dude? You know, it is interesting. It is interesting. Because you guys were the anti-establishment. Was cool yeah, and shit. people come up and say, oh, the show's so much better without you. And then the next person says the show's never the same without you. And they're listening well, to the same show. So. I, don't, I don't know if you, if you fuck. Why would you watch shit of yourself? So I'm, when I, I don't, I'm not a big TV guy. Sports, 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 and documentaries. At night, I'll throw on YouTube. I'll watch Opie and Anthony, an old Howard Stern clink. Back in the day when you were on, and you read the comments. And it's the best, like, thank God Jackie's gone. Fuck him. The show sucks without Jackie. Like, it's literally, it's so crazy. And they take it right. so, because the And the fact that these, but what really is amazing is that they have the energy and the interest to, to, to go. sign to, in, to, log to, on. To take the trouble to say, fuck Jackie. You I'm going to tell you my favorite if one. If you say, fuck Jackie, you're already in my corner, whether you know it or not. Yeah, F yeah. Jackie's you. Name me a CD. Plug in that. Right. I'm going to tell you my favorite thing. It was, when, when the book came out, um, you guys were talking, I looked at it and it said, Someone go to 49 minutes and 58 seconds. Jackie's an asshole. Motherfucker, you listened for 49 minutes and then said to Jack, come on, guy. You're better than that. <laughs> right, right, right. So you're like the judge saying this is a horrible for- porn film. I watched it 18 times and I, it's despicable. You, know. you finish your steak dinner. This is horrible fucking meal. Yeah, yeah. The food sucks in such small portions, you know. Well, listen, give me one last plug. I actually have a lot of listeners. All the idiots are going to listen. Hopefully, they, all right, they won't All you guys out there and all you girls out there, if you're listening, if you're still listening, I love you. <laughs> Here's a joke that's so filthy I can't tell it in my act, but I can tell it on terrestrial radio, and you can tell it to your five-year-old. It's the greatest joke in the world. A woman calls a doctor, and she says, Doc, I got diarrhea. Can I take a bath? And he says, if you got enough. <laughs> <laughs> you so that your own joke. No, How awesome is that? So get a book. Listen, Christmas is coming. Hanukkah is coming. Thanksgiving's coming. Halloween. If you've got a friend that's a Stern fan, you've got a relative that's a Stern fan, you order a book. Boom. It just shows up in the mail. You got the ideal Christmas present because it's hot off the press. Order five, order 10, order 20. Give them to your uncle, your aunt, your kids. It's JackieTheJokeMan.com. Just put that in your in your computer, JackieTheJokeMan.com. Boom. It's like $27, but now it's like $16.50. It's, Pre-order that, it. That's not a lot of money. And order some books. Follow me on Twitter at Jackie Martling, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-A-R-T-L-I-N-G. Jokes every day at 420. Michael will tell you they're funny sometimes. <laughs> and if you want to get jokes in the mail, jokeland at AOL.com. And I've had the same joke line for 38 years. 516-922-WINE, 516-922-9463. It's so funny. I tell people, people come up and say, hey, you know, I used to call you joke line 30 years ago. I say, yeah, well, it's still going. They go, what are you talking about? And everybody's on a cell phone. Take out your cell phone. And they dial 516-922-9463. Hey, this is Jackie. Thanks for using your finger. Why the guy walk into you know, Holy fuck. They can't believe it, you know. And I love that. I love that. It's so fun. 
Now, you, you, before we go, you don't listen to podcasts. You listen to radio. You, you, no, well, no, right? I, I did Gilbert's podcast, and oh, it was the greatest fun. He's funny. He's so fucking he's so funny. Great. I love Alec Baldwin's podcast because he talks to yeah, Billy really, Dolan, really interesting Seinfeld. people. He does, yes, he does a good yeah, job. And uh, I've been listening. He just did a podcast with Penn Jillette. And uh, Penn Gillette's a very good friend. You know, I go to Las Vegas. Penn comes with a bunch of people. He <laughs> he loves my old jokes and loves what I do because he, he sees the history of it. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> he is so much I didn't know. And Baldwin's good with him. And the guy Baldwin's is fascinating. Great. You know, so that's a little plug Bal for Alex Did you listen to Baldwin? Baldwin had uh, Billy Joel on Seinfeld? He does a he's a good interview. And Letterman. You know, people that you don't really get to call. So that's good. That's good. And, you know, and... Uh, for the most part, you know, I, I, I listen to stupid, you know, <laughs> stupid MSNBC and get mad at the way. I just hope that we're still alive to hear this podcast. Oh, I hope so. Well, I'm going to put it out tonight. We're, we're okay. You're a gentleman, and this has been great, and I'll do it again anytime. I really hope you, I really hope you had fun, because this was a blast for me, man. Great. And you people, come out to the show at the Studio Theater, Lindenhurst, April 15th, 8 p.m. Saturday night, and, uh, and say hello. I'd love to talk to you, take a picture with you, whatever you want to do. Because I got nothing else to do uh, before I die. Ladies and gentlemen, Jackie the Joke Man Martling. Yeah! Love Jackie! Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother.